Welcome back to Bench Busted FPL. My name is Jack, your host for the week. And as always, I am joined by the one and only Nick. How are you doing this week, Nick? Oh, I'm doing very well, Jack. I'm very happy that the international break is almost over as well, as, as I'm sure everyone is. Yeah, I think not just FPL fans, but I think fans of certain football clubs as well will be very, very happy because, of course, there have been a multitude of uh, injuries, not just uh, relating to FPL, but of course, you know, uh, international teams are not are, are failing to make it into the... Uh, automatic spots for uh, World Cup qualification and, and having to now go through the uh, arduous task of making it into uh, into the World Cup via the playoffs. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain that uh, we will talk about some of the uh, injured players who have uh, been been affected over the international break. I think uh, a lot of Liverpool fans are going to be very uh, upset, shall we say, about it, the uh, constant international breaks that we have had so far this season. But as you say, the international break is behind us. We will, of course, as I say, talk about some of the injuries. But one of the things that I do want to talk about that we were sort of discussing last week is obviously Daniel Farker, no longer at Norwich. And last episode, they had not found a replacement. Obviously, it was very recent news for them. Um, but they have now. And obviously, uh, Dean Smith, the former Aston Villa manager, has now agreed to become the Norwich manager. I think on a two and a half year contract, I don't know if he can turn things around at Norwich. We were discussing just before we started recording Norwich, although they're at the bottom of the Premier League, that win last week uh, against Brentford was, you know, perhaps a stepping stone for them to start maybe turning things around because it was, of course, their, their first win of the season. They are joint now on point with Newcastle and they are only five points away from Watford, who sit in 17th place. So do you think that Dean Smith can potentially turn things around for Norwich or, or do you think that Norwich will be... Uh, happy to you know accept the parachute payments and uh, go back down into the championship yeah well it's, it's interesting because we were just talking about this before we started recording and I think I might have biased you because I, I said that I think that it's really premature to just assume that Norwich are, are down they're only five points off of the off of well off of escaping the drop zone um and yeah I, I totally do I, I think that Norwich have a chance. I think with their crappy ragtag bunch of old Werder Bremen players who didn't perform, maybe they can get a couple of wins somewhere. Maybe the Rashika redemption arc is on the way. And um, I don't really see any reason why Norwich can't improve and can't get better. They had a squad that absolutely dominated the championship last year. Uh, that And people always write them off because of their sort of, I guess, their previous history in the Premier or their most recent history in the Premier League. And it's just a bit sort of... Um, unfair I think I know that they can't compete financially but they have a squad that's capable they have players that can win games of football and, and, and dominate the championship which is a very hard league to win so yeah to be honest Jack I actually think Dean Smith might be a bit of an upgrade although he's got a weird reputation that's come from sort of almost not doing a whole lot um, so we'll see but with some of the other managerial appointments, uh, for example, certain Stephen Gerrard at Aston Villa, I think there's a lot of opportunity here for for Norwich to potentially stay in the league. Um, it's 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 obviously a bit of a punt. It's a bit of a risk to say that, and and they're more likely to go down than to stay up. But they're not the write off that I think everyone thinks they are. Yeah, fair fair enough. I mean, I don't think from an FPL perspective, the attacking options are 
appealing to me. I think if you were to go with one, it would be the main man up top. Yeah, Josh Sargent. <laughs> not not Josh Sargent, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I won't go <laughs> anywhere near any of the Norwich players, unless it is, of course, Timo Puki. And when you look at Norwich's next, you know, three fixtures or so, Southampton at home, Wolves at home, Newcastle away. Wolves, okay, that will be a bit of a trickier fixture, but Southampton and Newcastle, I mean, Southampton have been looking improved um, at the back, but Newcastle should, again, a team under new management. Before this, it, it was maybe a game that Norwich could have, uh, you know, gave them a run for their money, in, but perhaps Eddie Howe can turn things around defensively at, at, uh, at Newcastle, although I know that in the past, certainly when he was at Bournemouth in the Premier League, he, he didn't really have a, a, a known reputation for setting his teams up solidly at the back. So, you know, Norwich could, and I think need, to hit the ground running under the new manager. They need to pick up, you know, six points from the next three games. If they can do that and propel themselves out of the relegation zone to begin with, um, then I think that it will certainly uh, certainly put them in good stead. Um, they do, of course, have a, a few trickier fixtures um, over the Christmas period, but would you be looking at any of the Norwich assets or is it sort of a, a, a wait and see? And, and, and if so, which ones would you go for? And, and please don't say Josh Sargent. It's no, no, I'd never in a million years <laughs> pick that joker. I still think about the open goal he missed versus Brighton. <laughs> I really do. Um, actually, it's not Pookie. It's it's Omo Bamadeli for me. He's he's a very cheap defender. I think he's still 3.9. Um, I, I owned him at the start of the season as my enabler because he performed quite well in pre-season. And since he's come back into the team for Norwich, so he was dropped for the first however many games... Um, since he's come back into the team over the last couple of game weeks, he's been quite good. So at the moment, and we'll talk about we'll talk more about this, but at the moment I'm thinking about getting rid of one of my defenders perhaps and, and switching my formation up. And I think that if I get a Norwich player, it might end up being Omo Bamadeli as a as that enabler bench defender. Um, it all, of course, depends on how Dean, Dean Smith is going to play. Um, is he going to play five at the back? Is he going to play four at the back? Who is he going to play? Who's he going to pick? It's going to be... A very interesting case there, but uh, I think Omar Bamadeli is the one to watch because, simply put, he's just great bench fodder. And I suppose in a similar vein, um, Gilmore as well and Norman are both worth looking at as bench budget options. So I'm keeping an eye on him and I want to see what his team looks like before I make any moves. But it could be that I actually have Norwich players on my bench as enablers. Um, quite soon. I mean, you can certainly pick worse players to to have sat on your bench. That's for sure. I mean. For me, yeah, I, I think it's very much a wait and see, as you say. We don't quite know the system that Dean Smith is going to play. We don't know if he's going to have Pookie as a lone striker up top or or if he's going to partner him with someone else. Rashika. No, I, I don't like any of these midfield names. The only, like, the only midfielder from Norwich that attracts me at all is Cantwell, but he's been out for, you know, I mean, he played, I think, the first three or four matches of the season and then he's been out ever since and... and I don't know how far away he is from returning, but I know that certainly when he was in the when he was in the league a few years back with Norwich, he was um, you know he was definitely one of their standout players uh, that time around. So we'll see if they can get him back to match fitness, and, and we'll see if he can uh, support the likes of Timu Puki. We'll move on to talk about some of the injuries. Then, of course, some of the notable ones, or, or maybe the most notable ones, certainly from from your perspective, would be of course Andy Robertson picking up a bit of an injury. Uh, whilst on international duty for Scotland. Of course, Scotland did secure themselves a World Cup playoff spot 
so they will be, of course, uh, going up against sort of, uh, one of the numerous teams who have uh, put themselves into position to potentially make it to the World Cup next year. Um, but they did that in a fantastic style, of course, beating Denmark 2-0 uh, over the international break. But Andy Robertson, as I say, picked up a bit of an injury. And of course, another Liverpool player um, who I think was uh, maybe a bit uh, or maybe a bit injured just before the international break. And, and we weren't quite sure of the extent of the injury at the time. Obviously, Bobby Firmino uh, looking like he's not going to be back in action for Liverpool until around mid-December. So that does open up a few possibilities for FPL managers who have got Liverpool players and, and perhaps only have two of them or, or have three of them, but now one of them is injured and you perhaps want to move off of the sum of your Liverpool assets to try and bring in maybe the likes of Jota, maybe even Origi could come into the fold, who knows, but is that something that you're looking at? Yeah, it is, Jack. I'm, I'm a little bit suspect because Liverpool have um, it's they said seven I think it was nine but it depends on who's training injuries from the first team or from the squad and there's a lot of potential that they could actually just turn up and be quite poor um, because of all the injuries and the missing players they don't have particularly great squad depth but owning Robertson has been an absolute train wreck for me um, to say to say the least and yes I'm really looking at either swapping him down to Simicus if he is properly out or um, switching him up to Jota, which would take, well, at the moment, it'd take a minus eight for me. I'd have to go Robertson down to, I don't know, Omo Bamadeli and and then jam Jota into the midfield, I think. The, the truth is that it's really, really good for managers who don't have the two Liverpool assets because they're looking to move off of players like Havertz at the moment or Grealish or, or whoever you have. And the simple, the, the really easy switch to Jota could prove to be fantastic. I think there was news that Jota left the Portugal camp early um, and that there could be an injury there. We don't know a whole lot about that. The truth is we don't really know a whole lot about Robertson and Mane's injuries as well, where they both came off in their respective international games. They both, in Robertson's case, he actually walked around a bit and looked okay. Um, I think Mane also looked okay, although I'm less sure about saying that. And it could easily be that that they play the games. I, I've seen some news that says Robertson's 50-50 for the Arsenal game, which is which is coming up this weekend. So I'm happy to stick with him for now. I've always got Liveramento coming off the bench uh, against Norwich if Robertson doesn't play. And I'm sure that Liveramento will have to get some attacking return there after Josh Sargent scores a hat-trick against Southampton. <laughs> so... I'm being patient, but I've got real greedy, really greedy eyes on Jota at the moment and working out how to jam him into my team. But it might be for a minus four next week or, or even just as like, I might just save the transfers and do it in a couple of weeks if if um, if I'm unsure about news and, and about how players are looking. But but for people like you, Jack, who I think well, no idea what you've done. You've been you you've been very cautious about talking about your transfers. I I've not been cautious. Look, I've just been taking a break away from Premier League, mate. Yeah, well, my belief is that you still have only two Liverpool players, but who the heck knows? I think people like you would be silly not to just jam Jota straight into the team, um, providing that he's not injured. Um, so what have you done? Where? Where's your head at? Where's your head at? Last week, obviously, had quite a few... Well, not I wouldn't say issues. I had Jack Grealish in the team. Uh, I had um, Buemo as well, who was maybe not performing to the heights 
that a lot of FPL managers... Good use of past tense there, by the way. Yeah, well, I'm talking about when I when it was last week, mate. I'm not, I'm not, I'm keeping my cars close to my, to my chest. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I did, uh, I've, I've got the Jamie Vardy issue as well. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, those are the three players. When, when I look at my team and I look at the players that maybe I'm not too happy with, certainly over the last uh, couple of weeks, those are the three players that, that, that stand out in my mind. I think... For me, I, you know, I was singing the praises of Pep Guardiola after he didn't bring on Jack Grealish in the Manchester Derby because, of course, that meant that uh, Tino Liveramento came off my bench for for six points. So I was absolutely loving that. But I don't want to, I don't want to be living in fear, so to speak, of of having you know a, a rotated Pep player uh, come off the bench and and only get one point or something. Um, so I think immediately or, or certainly. Shortly after recording uh, the episode last week, I did pull the trigger on at least one transfer, and that was Jack Grealish down to Conor Gallagher. Um, I think that Palace have been... I mean, we talked about it last week. Palace have been fantastic. I think Gallagher has been the fulcrum of that attack. I mean, you know, you you hear the talk about Zaha and how uh, key he is to that attack, but when you look at it as a whole over the course of the season so far, I think Conor Gallagher has been more important for that side than the likes of Wilf Zaha I think you know he got an England call up as well Uh, I think he came off the bench um, in the second game over the international break so you know it's going to do his confidence a world of good of course it will and you know you look at him as I say over the course of the season four goals four assists I think he's what like the the second or third highest scoring midfielder in the game at the moment and yes I know it's very early days and he's not going to be able to output you know, these double-digit hauls that he has done over the last couple of weeks every single week. But, as I say, I think that he is a very large focal point of what that uh, Crystal Palace attacking side can do. Um, So I think that if you're looking for someone who is, you know, he's still sub-6 million. I think he had a price rise overnight. Uh, So he's up to 5.9, but he is still sub-6 million. And if you want a you know, if you're looking for a budget option in a midfield for someone who will get you game time, someone who will more often than not contribute to attacking output in that side, then, you know, I would say to look no further than, than Conor Gallagher. Obviously, there are there is a wealth of options at that sort of 5.5 to 6 million price point. I'm not I'm not discounting any of the uh, other players in and around that price point, the likes of Smith Rowe. Um, you know, I guess some of the Everton boys have maybe dropped off a little bit, but you do have Trossard at maybe a bit more expensive as well. You've, of course, got the likes of the uh, Ben Rama Bowen debate as well. So there are a, a lot of good budget options uh, that you can have in your midfield. And, and Gallagher was the one that I was sort of uh, more confident to pull the trigger on early. Oh, Jack, do you know what you're going to do? You're going to end up ditching... Brent- Friendship with Brentford ended. Friendship with Crystal Palace is, is is your new thing, isn't it? You're gonna you're gonna start going to Crystal Palace games and checking out Gallagher, um, watching how he plays and performs, cheering him on like a proud parent in the stands. Listen, yeah, like I never claimed to be best friends with any of the Brentford guys. The fact that I've got a season <laughs> ticket was purely because it was cheap. I'm not gonna say anything more than that because it was it was cheap when we bought it, and we bought it when they were about to make it out of the playoffs a few seasons ago or about to make it into the Prem a few seasons ago uh, they didn't and then you know we froze the tickets and we kept the same price and they managed to get promoted the following season so 
that's that's the only reason why I've got a Brentford season ticket. Obviously, I'll go down and you know I'll, I'll try to rule them on, and it's and it's nice to actually watch live football once again and and trying to get behind a team that you're down there to watch is is great fun. But anything more than that, and and you're laughing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm laughing. I, I actually think, by the way, that this is the most Crystal Palace players between the two of us that we've ever had in in fantasy football. It's been a couple of years now, three years of playing, probably, yeah. And and this is this is our peak Crystal, which says a lot. Um, I think Roy Hodgson was doing an okay job there, but Vieira's come in. He's actually made them exciting. Um, one word on Gallagher is that I think, um, oh man, there's like. There's two midfielders. There's James McCarthy and James MacArthur, I think, at that Blooming Club. One of them is is got injured over the international break, and that may mean that Milivojevic plays more regularly because he hasn't been starting a lot of games. And there is very, very tentative early days evidence that suggests that uh, when when Milivojevic plays, Gallagher is on fewer set pieces and has a slightly reduced attacking threat, although. Honestly, it's like a sample size of like three. So who knows? It, it probably doesn't matter. Personally, I really rate Gallagher. And I know I was reading yesterday about how Chelsea, when he went to Palace, made sure that there was no option to buy in the clause because he, they have plans for him at Chelsea. They, they, they have concrete plans to integrate him into the team over the next coming years, which is just fantastic for me. And honestly, could be quite a good asset in the future too, baby, um, if, if you're so inclined. Uh, Chelsea are crying out for an actual quality attacking midfielder at times, um, especially with Mount and his dental problems. So I like that transfer. Um, I know for a fact that you're considering Son and Kane, um, and you haven't. Have you made any decisions on that yet? So I was firmly in the Son camp, and then obviously I, like, I, I know that there's only so much that you can read from an international break. I, I know that, but. Kane goes away with England. Granted, what does he play against Albania and, and San Marino? And yes, he bangs seven goals. And, you know, I think he'd probably be a bit disappointed if he didn't get at least seven goals in, in those two games. So you can read into it how you will. Obviously, I think two of them in the San Marino game were, were penalties as well. So, look, I think Kane and Son both provide very good options. I think I think that there is still some tentativity around both of these players because we haven't quite seen what we expected to see from Spurs under Conte. Obviously, he's only a one game in charge. And, and I think a lot of, as I said last week, a lot of FPL managers were looking at this game and, and trying to figure out which one of the two to have. And, and in the end, I think we all came away with it by saying, well, hang on, maybe we just need to give it a bit more time and, and wait and see what happens because I don't think Kane looked very good in that game. Son... I would say, you know, I think Son was actually the, the highest Spurs player on the pitch at times. And, and I think that, you know, the, the Kane that we saw with England is exactly what Conte wants to see Kane doing for Spurs. You know, getting himself into the box, uh, not, not dropping as deep as he does when he does play for Spurs. I think Kane needs to be that focal point of the attack um, in order to get FPL managers to you know, start looking at him and in order to get that, the, the rest of those Spurs assets firing in all cylinders as well. I think it's very good to know that the Spurs assets actually have some relatively decent fixtures coming up because I think that that will maybe tempt a lot more FPL managers to go with one or the other. Uh, you know, the next four, Leeds, Burnley, Brentford and Norwich. I think that if they're not perhaps performing 
up to that point, then there could be an opportunity to to jump off of them. I mean, over the Christmas period, they I mean, their toughest fixture on on uh, Sunday the nineteenth of December is against Liverpool. So you know they do have some relatively decent fixtures over the uh, festive period, and certainly over the next. Uh, 10 or so game weeks it, it looks very very good for this Spurs side but we know that Spurs haven't been firing on all cylinders and I can definitely see the appeal of other cheaper options I think the one advantage of Kane over Son or maybe even two advantages is not only does he have penalties but you also still have that premium striker spot so you always have the option to you know go from Kane to Ronaldo to Lukaku without having to do too much maneuvering with the funds in your squad so there is that there's also the advantage of Son if they keep a clean sheet getting an extra point if he scores a goal getting an extra point so yeah I, I think it's very difficult to choose between the two but if I was Going to be choosing between the two, I would definitely lean towards Son. Mm, interesting stuff. I think actually with the point you make there about there being 10 or so game weeks of good fixtures for Spurs means that you can afford to miss two. You can you can afford to wait and see against Leeds and Burnley. Um, I guess the reason I pulled the trigger is because Havertz was the player on my team that had to make way. I'd already sort of planned the transfer or planned to do something with Havertz before then because Lukaku's back training and Werner's not too far off and, and you know that Chelsea are going to you know that Havertz is probably only going to start one more game at most for Chelsea. So you've got to move. I've got had to move him on anyway. Um, personally, I think Spurs did better against Everton a couple of weeks ago than they did um, at the start of last season under Mourinho, just before Son and Kane absolutely started slapping. So I'm in. I'm just in. I'm sold. I've made the transfer. Havertz to Son is done. And uh, I await a Leeds game, which could could really propel, give me a little bit of an advantage this season, um, just ahead of everyone else bringing in Spurs players if they do well. I, I wanted to say actually on Spurs that there's also a lot of talk about their defence and about their two fullbacks. And Regulon versus Emerson Royal is something that sort of keeps getting regurgitated, mentioned online a little bit. I know that a lot of people are keen on Regulon, especially because they recognise the name and they recognise that he's got attacking returns in the past. But a word to the wise, or a word of caution, I guess, is that uh, Regulon actually is the person who made way for Matt Doherty uh, 70 minutes into, I think, the Everton game. And Emerson Royal stayed on, despite Doherty being a right-sided player. He, he came on and played on the left um, instead to keep Emerson Royal on the pitch. And Emerson Royal looks to be the more attacking, uh, more naturally able to play as a wing-back as well, player. So... In this conversation between Regulon and Emerson Royal, and it's not one that's going to come to a head just yet. I think it's one where in a couple of weeks you might be talking about it, or maybe I'm just getting rid of Robertson for him. I think that Emerson Royal, who's naturally played as a wingback before and has probably is favoured and probably has more of a licence to attack, is absolutely the pick over Regulon, who may end up as the more defensive wingback of the two. An interesting discussion there, and, and that's just a me sort of supposing some things but that's how I see it um, and and that's just a word to a word of caution something to look out for in the coming games I think as well with Spurs I mean the way that I see it at the moment certainly maybe this is a bit of a, a biased viewpoint but I'm not going anywhere near that Spurs defence until they can prove to me that they can shut out opponents I know that Conte has got proven track record of being able to, you know, improve teams' defenses, and obviously they kept the clean sheet against against Everton, so so fair play. But 
I, I think we need to see that more consistently over a, a longer period of time um, before we even start to think about looking at the uh, Spurs defensive assets. And I say that just purely based on the fact that there are so many other better Okay, they're more expensive, but I think a lot of FPL managers have got, you know, one, two or three uh, of these sort of a big, more expensive uh, defenders. I Whether that be Trent, Cancelo and James or Chilwell or Diaz or Robertson or whoever it is, I think that a lot of us as FPL managers have got uh, these assets and it will be difficult to sort of justify getting rid of one of them. I mean, you could also bring in a player as well as having those sort of three big defenders um, and, and someone who maybe you switch it to a back four. But I think, you know, switching to a back four, you obviously lose one of your attackers. And I mean, that's not to say that having, you know, four at the back and going big at the back is the worst thing to do. Because I think that at times this season, we have seen that the, the amount of value that can be found in some of these uh, sort of cheaper defenders is is phenomenal. So I'm not ruling it out, but I would say at the moment I am personally not not going anywhere near it until I see, you know, something better and, and something more consistent from that defence. And certainly from a fullback perspective, I want to see them contributing to the attack as well, and I want to see them picking up not goals. I'm not expecting goals from the Spurs defenders, but certainly, you know, putting some crosses into the box and, and picking up a an assist or two would uh, certainly open my eyes a little bit. That's exciting! I can't wait! I can't wait for next week where after. One of them gets like one attacking return and a clean sheet. We're just all over them. <laughs> clamouring for them. Clamouring for a bit of Emerson Royal. I don't know. I, I, I don't think I would be going out of my way to, to fit them in. I mean, I'm, I'm relatively happy with, with my five defenders. I think my defence is certainly the the best thing about my, my side at the moment, certainly over the recent weeks. You know, with the likes of James, Trent and Cancelo in there. Tino Liveramento, who I picked up when he was only four million. And of course, Ben White, who I'm just sort of holding out on him until maybe he gets the price rise back up to 4.5 where I bought him at so I don't actually lose any money on getting rid of him but as you say I mean there are certainly some you know cheaper more budget-friendly options who are gonna perhaps start playing uh, for their size you know if 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 Robertson's out for a while maybe Simicast could come in for Ben White to free up that extra 0.5 or yeah any of these other sort of cheaper defenders who are who are playing in their teams uh, could come into the could come into the fray. I have made other transfers in my squad, not just Grealish to Gallagher. Of course you have. Of course you have. Holding on to that. I love that. Well, I look, I'm keeping my cards close to my chest. Yeah, so close, Jack. You can't <laughs> even, you can't even see your own cards. <laughs> and Bremo is no more. I'm sad to say. Neither is Vardy. So the the three problem areas that I touched on earlier are gone. I have taken a minus four. Oh, I love it. Risky, but I love it. It is. It is a bit of a risk. Um, I think it's my second minus four of the season. So for me, you know, to be, you know, coming into the 12th game week of the season, for me to have only taken one point sit so far this season, I think is, is you know, I'll give myself a bit of a pat on the back for that. You know me as someone who, you know, will not be afraid to take a hit uh, over the last uh, couple of seasons. So... I think that I've done well so far to avoid taking hits where possible. And, you know, I thought, you know what, we've got an international break. I've saved two free transfers. I could do a little mini wildcard and get rid of some of the problem areas in my team and, and, you know, hopefully reap the rewards from it. So, as I say, Mbwemo and Vardy uh, have both been removed as well as Grealish. Mbwemo has been upgraded to Hyungmin Son, which I don't think you'd be surprised to learn at all. Ah... I did, I did, I did wonder. I did wonder if you'd done it. 
But Hyungmin Son is a player that has come in. So, so I, I was looking at this a few days ago when I was like sort of thinking about my transfers, and obviously there was that Kane debate that was uh, going on in my head. And you know, I remember messaging you. Uh, watching the internationals and being like, oh my word, Kane scored a hat-trick. And then, you know, a couple of days later, oh my God, he scored four goals. And, you know, what are we going to do about Kane? Is he now going to start hitting a bit of form with Spurs? But, and then you take a step back and you remember, okay, yeah, it's just Albania and, and San Marino. No disrespect to them, but they're not the toughest opposition for Harry Kane to come up against. Well, San Marino are the 210th out of 210 countries. They are literally bottom. Yeah, it was uh, sort of just step back a little bit. And, you know, Son is cheaper. Um, he does have the extra point for the goal. Uh, he does have the extra point for the clean sheet. Um, I think Son, again, he plays a bit more higher up on the pitch. And, and certainly, as I said earlier, you know, Kane has been known to drop deeper. Whether or not Conte will get him... To stop doing that um, is yet to be seen, but I think that Son at the moment, I mean, he has been the Spurs player, the go-to Spurs player throughout the uh, the whole season, and, and he is the reason why they are as high as they are in the table, albeit it's not it's not looking that pretty for, for Spurs, who I think would have uh, hoped to have been, you know, top six at least at this stage in the season. But I was looking at it before, before I pulled the trigger on the transfers. I was 0.1 short of going... Mbwemo and Vardy to Jota and Kane. And I was absolutely kicking. My, like, I don't know where that point one had gone off to. But I w- if I could have done that, I think I might have pulled the trigger on that rather than the, uh, the, the transfers that I've done. But I do want some Spurs coverage. Um, and I think that Son is, is certainly, you know, he falls into that sort of premium, but not really premium because he's, you know, 10.3 million at the moment so he, he's not quite into the upper echelons of the 11 and, and 12 million players but he is still a phenomenal player um, I earned him at the start of the season um, and, and he did well for me there so what it left me with is I think about nine and a half million in the bank to sort of mess around with what striker I wanted to go with and as we all know fantasy football this season and, and, and strikers this season in FPL haven't quite lived up to what we would expect. I mean, yes, there have been multiple injuries to certain players, the likes of your Lukaku's, uh, you know, Ronaldo's doing okay, but he's doing okay in a team that isn't perhaps firing on all cylinders at the moment. You've got Aubameyang, who, I, you know, no one no one talks about. Um, Jimenez, I already had in my team. Antonio, I've had in there from the start. You've got Gabriel Jesus at uh, City, who could be a good option as well. Um, you know, you look down the list. I mean, Alan St. Maximan somehow, look, this is how poor some of the strikers have been this season. Alan St. Maximan is the fourth highest scoring striker in the game. It's it's insane. I mean, you know, Dennis is in there just behind the likes of Jimenez as well. So there's not really a lot of standout options uh, in attack. Obviously, as I mentioned earlier, you could have gone for Pookie. I could have gone for Pookie. The likes of, you know, Tony stood out as well, but I was thinking Tony hasn't really looked at it. And I've been down watching the Brentford games, as you, as you know, and he hasn't he hasn't looked quite there. I think I know what you've done. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to take a guess? I'm, I'm, I'm going to just list off all of the other players that I'm looking down on this list. Um, oh, I, I know what you've done. I think you've, well, I don't know. I have no idea. I think you've gone for Callum Wilson. Am I wrong? Am I right? 
Of course I have. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know why? It was that sneaky little shout out you did for Eddie Howland and Newcastle at the start of the podcast. <laughs> so I think Callum Wilson is a is a punt. He's a punt. I'm not going to say anything more than, well, I will say more than that. But in terms of the reasoning behind his pick, he is a bit of a punt. But you look at the next four. Brentford, Arsenal, Norwich, Burnley. If he can't score in at least, you know, two of those games, then obviously he's on he's gonna be out of the squad. But it it's a short term option, two point five percent owned. It gives me a front three of Wilson, Antonio and Jimenez, and they're all sort of similarly priced, so it's may might be a bit difficult to sort of jump off of them. But I think I'm I'm set in my ways and I think I'm happy with the way that the team looks set up and, and I think that Callum Wilson, you know, we've seen it under Eddie Howe previously. I don't know if he's gonna be able to get him Firing all cylinders again uh, when he's in charge of Newcastle, but we have seen it in the past, and and certainly some of the uh, other former Bournemouth players in that squad might come into the fold, and and you know we might even see the the Ryan Fraser versus Callum Wilson um, sort of double up coming into some teams if he can get them uh, you know teaming up again. But I do think that certainly from an immediate. Uh, sort of a, a short-term perspective. I think the fixtures look good for Newcastle. Callum Wilson, okay, you know, he has had his injury issues uh, throughout the season. But, you know, when he has played, I mean, he scored in four out of seven games that he's played in. So, you know, he that may not sound great, but it's, you know, for someone of his calibre, I think it's, 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 it's a decent return. And for someone at 7.3 million, he's a player when... Other strikers are not perhaps living up to the expectations. He's a player that I'm willing to take a punt on. And if it doesn't work out, then, you know, in after this sort of nice little run of fixtures that they have uh, in the build-up to the busy Christmas schedule, then I just get rid of him. And, and I sort of manoeuvre the funds around in my team. And, and perhaps one of these misfiring strikers will now, you know, pick up a bit of form going into Christmas. So... Who knows? I mean, there could even be the option to stick to up front and, and you know, maybe reinvest in the midfield and potentially upgrade uh, Josh Brownhill uh, in the team and, and go with five in the midfield. But yeah, as I say, over the Christmas period, not looking so good, but in the build up over the next uh, sort of three or four games, it's certainly looking certainly looking good. And of course, three home games. I mean, they go away against Arsenal, but home against Norwich, home against Burnley, home against Brentford. Is it's just a phenomenal uh, run of fixtures, and and if anyone can score goals in that Newcastle side, then Callum Wilson is that guy. I mean, Alan Saint-Maximin can contribute, but I think Callum Wilson is that main focal point, and they play a bit better when they have Callum Wilson in that side. And of course, he's on penalties as well. Um, but as I say, looking over the Christmas period, Leicester, Liverpool, City, United, Everton, it, uh, five in a row from the twelfth of December all the way up until the New Year is is not looking good for them, but. He is a bit of a short-term option, and and uh, to be honest, mate, I sort of knew that you would know that I would have gone with him. The amount that I've uh, sort of uh, bigged him up over the last uh, week or so. Well, I knew that you knew that I would know. So how about that? <laughs> <laughs> I like it a lot. Um, I'm actually just looking at like Jimenez, and he's got Liverpool, Man City coming up in his next five, and I'm thinking about Tony as well. I've, uh, Callum Wilson's on my radar too. Um, he's not someone that I'm obviously going to make moves for immediately which is a shame because the fixtures are very, very good, very, very quickly. But um, if Tony doesn't do something over the next two weeks, if if I decide that I don't need to make a move with Robertson or Jota or whatever, then maybe it could happen for me. But at the moment, it's a shame because he's the sort of player that I'd love to get in. It's just, it's just gone the way that 
I am not planning my transfers, but there's probably, I can anticipate there's probably going to be things that I want to change ahead of that. So I'm just going to sit here and hope that Brentford do what we expected them to do, uh, which is beat some bad teams. Please, God, can Brentford actually finally beat some bad teams and maybe score some goals doing it. And um, hope that Eddie Howe is the sort of joker fraud that I continually tell people he is. <laughs> and I've, I've made money doing that before. Maybe maybe it will come through for me again. And Eddie Howe will continue to be out of touch with football at a high level. Sounding like a bit of a uh, Brentford fan there, mate. Yeah, I'm a bit of a Brentford fan, mate. Well, just, this space has opened up. Now that you're a Crystal Palace fan, there's a space on the podcast for a Brentford fan. I'm not going to encourage uh, this argument, but... What we will do to sort of wrap things up, we'll, we'll move on to talk about some of the fixtures and, and just look at some of the fixtures that are happening this weekend. Game week 12 uh, kicks off with the half 12 kickoff between Leicester and Chelsea. I won't go through all of the fixtures. Um, we also have, obviously, the, the Watford playing against Manchester United, one of many three o'clock kickoffs on the Saturday. And then, of course, the, the late game uh, on Saturday uh, is between Liverpool and Arsenal. And then on the Sunday, we've got City versus Everton. And Spurs versus Leeds. And and I think, you know, from an FPL perspective, there are going to be a lot of perhaps uh, clean sheet wipeouts I can certainly see on the cards. Like, I think Arsenal have been certainly looking okay and, and looking good defensively, which maybe gives us as FPL managers a bit of a uh, captaincy headache. Do we still stick with Salah or do we go... You know, now that we both have Son in our team, do we go a bit left field and, and sort of try to back... Uh, Son against this Leeds side who as we all know you know over the last uh, well, over the entirety of the season really they they haven't been the best defensively maybe they've fixed up a bit recently in terms of you know only having conceded one goal um, over the last uh, six or so games but yeah I mean Leeds do like to concede goals I think Son I think scored in both games against Leeds last season so maybe that puts him in good stead as well Um I mean, I can't see Everton getting anything against City. Chelsea against Leicester could be a tough one and, and Vardy could come back to bite me, um, having just got rid of him. But we'll, we'll see. Are there any other games that you're looking forward to in, in game week 12? Well, personally, I'm pumped about Norwich v Southampton, Jack. <laughs> I, I told you, I'm, I'm going to Bremen next week because I'm a big Bremen fan and I'm here. I'm here for it. I'm here for Dean Smith to revitalise the careers of Josh Sargent and... Whatever Rashika's first name is, uh, Rashika, and and just make it happen. And so I'm going to keep an eye on that because if Norwich look even half good, I might even put some money on them to stay up, you know, because I reckon the odds are really good for it. So that's the game I'm checking out. I guess Newcastle will be Brentford will also be on my mind because we're obviously very interested in Callum Wilson, but more importantly, we're interested in just how rubbish Brentford are and whether they'll continue it. They've got, they still maintain, like they still have some decent options, like, Although Ray is now injured and, and out for a, ever, I kind of like Henry at the back. He picked up his first attacking return last last game week against Norwich. And and I wondered if him not getting attacking returns in the previous games is because Brentford were playing hard teams. And now that Brentford are playing easier teams or teams that will give them more opportunity on the ball, uh, maybe he'll get further forward. So I, I quite like watching him and I quite like seeing what he's going to do. Um, good goal against Norwich. And... Uh, and those are those are the two games, the two sort of like mediocre games that I'm keen on. I hate, I hate that you said 
there'll be some clean sheet wipes like Liverpool and straight away you're just my poor Robertson my poor Robertson he's been through so much this week can you just give him he just needs one clean sheet that's all he needs just Robertson just turn up get a clean sheet bish bash bosh that's all I'm looking for this week I think if Robertson gets a clean sheet Jack and everyone else blanks I'll call it a good well Trent wouldn't blank but if Robertson gets a clean sheet I'll call it a very successful game week I think if he plays, if he plays. Well, yeah, if he plays. If he plays and, yeah. <laughs> no, I was just saying that as more of, you know, they are the fixtures for the teams where we all have sort of at least one or two defenders uh, from are not easy, but not difficult. I mean, that, that, that Leicester versus Chelsea game, you know, Leicester not doing as well as I think a lot of people would have expected from them this season, but... You know, Vardy's going through a bit of a rough patch and, and he could fire Leicester back into form uh, with a few goals against Chelsea. And I mean, Chelsea have been fantastically defensively, don't get me wrong, but, it, you know, Jamie Vardy is a, a player who is known for, you know, performing on the on the big stage and a home game against Chelsea on, in the early kickoff on Saturday is, you know, the big stage. I mean, thankfully, it's not the Liverpool early kickoff because then I think that we would uh, obviously all be having that dilemma as... Uh, you know, do we captain Salah or not? Um, but he is the late game, so you don't have to feel too hard done by if, if if it all goes wrong for Salah. If you do choose to captain him, I mean, the armband for me is currently on Salah. The only, the only issue that I'm looking at with my team at the moment, and if the very minorest of issues is the fact that I've got Tino Livermento on my bench and it's, an, it's a game against Norwich and, and it's a game where, you know, any game against Norwich is a game that you sort of quote-unquote want to try and target. And, and having him on the bench after the season that he's had so far could come back to bite me. Um, but I think that, you know, my, my other areas of the team are, are certainly, I would say, offer a bit more potential than, than Tino. So it's a bit of a tough one. But, I mean, he's been occupying the bench and, and has come off the bench a couple of times already. So if that happens, then... I will be uh, definitely over the moon. I love this facade, by the way, this. You could captain Son. <laughs> you know, I don't think there's a million, there's, a, there's not a single world where you captain Son. You're going to captain Salah. I'm going to captain Salah. He's on form. And the truth is just owning Son is enough at this point. After this week, we'll obviously get a better idea of how Spurs will perform and how they're going to look. We will have a better understanding of, of whether we can expect Son to haul in certain games. And I think fair enough, it's like reasonable to, to think about captaining him then. But at the moment, Salah's in the form of his life and he's playing at home in the late kickoff against against an Arsenal team who just, have, they get crushed by the big teams. They got crushed by Chelsea and they got crushed by Man City. And then they've gone on this good run where they haven't had to play anyone good. I think, I, I think that Salah is just the obvious easy choice and you're going to make it and I'm going to make it. And we're going to still be happy when Son scores way more points than Salah this weekend. We're still going to be happy about those points uh, and we'll feel like we've we've played well, which is um, always a good sign, always a good sign. So, oh, I love the facade, Jack. I love it all. But it, but there's no way, there's no way you're captaining Son, not in a million years. Look, I was throwing it out there as a suggestion. If you want it to be a bit more left field, um, certainly there are other opportunities over the coming game weeks to, to captain um, Son over Salah should you choose to do so I mean Salah you know away against Everton I mean it will be obviously the, the Merseyside derby so I think Salah will do well and, and is known to have been uh, doing well against uh, the uh, neighbours on the other side of the city uh, in recent years so perhaps uh, you can still go and captain him but in, in the same game week I think uh, yeah Spurs host Brentford so if Brentford don't turn things around then there could definitely be an opportunity to 
put the armband on Son, but I think just having the two of them and, and having the fixtures that they've got, as you say, I think it's it's good. And, and putting the armband on one or the other could be a, a good way forward. But, you know, we've seen it up to now, as you say, if you would have just left the armband on, on Salah throughout the entirety of the season, you know, you would have had, I think, an extra 100 points or so in, in, in your team. So, yeah. Keeping it on Salah does make it a bit more simple and, and yeah, it's not to say that Salah won't perform against uh, Arsenal, but I think that Arsenal have looked better defensively. Um, but as you say, they haven't really had a lot of uh, tough opposition to come up against um, over their sort of uh, last couple of months since the sort of first three games of the season. They haven't really uh, encountered a lot of uh, heavy resistance, uh, shall we say. So I think it'll be interesting to, to watch that game and I think that... You know, again, it comes back to the caveat of backing against or like going against Salah and not captaining him could be more detrimental at this moment in the season. I mean, 71.6% ownership. Yes, he's 13 million, but you've got to have some giant cojones if you want to go against Salah. I'd, I'd Actually, Jack, do you know what? I'd love to see you bench him for Ben White and captain Ben White. <laughs> that would do it for me. That would really Absolutely do it for me. not. Absolutely not. Ben White's second on the bench, mate. I, I, I rate Tino ahead of Ben White. Certainly for this game, we get least. <sighs> Shame. I, the, giant cojones. Giant cojones. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's a perfect place to end, Nick. I, I think the giant cojones has to be the bombshell that, that we drop on, on this uh, episode of the podcast, even if you can call it a bombshell. I don't really think so. But Nick... Thank you very much for joining me. And of course, we'll be back. Maybe we'll be back next week. I know that you say that you're off in Bremen, but maybe we'll sneak in a cheeky half an hour recording on, on the Wednesday before you do go off away for your extended break. Um, and, and we will, of course, be back and reviewing some of the uh, results and, and hopefully singing the praises of Hyung Min Son and, and that Spurs side as they turn it around under Antonio Conte.